I'm a part of the seminary basketball team. Yeah, that should tell you how slim the pickings are for athletes at the seminary. Uh, but I'm a solid B-string bench warmer for our team. You know, I, I provide the opportunity for the guys who are the five guys that are okay at basketball to actually get to practice. Uh, and I've come to enjoy playing the sport, if you can do, if you can call what I do playing a sport. Now, if you'd asked someone when I was about 16 years old if they'd ever thought that I'd be playing on a basketball team, they probably would have laughed. I certainly would have. I, of course, I had played a few pickup games here and there with close friends in high school and college, but uh, I've never been exactly what they call athletic. So uh, it wasn't necessarily in my skill set. Now, part of the reason for that is when I was about 10 or 11, I began uh, to stop doing sports. I began quitting sports activities because I wasn't naturally gifted at them in comparison with the people around me. When I looked around and I compared myself to others or was compared by others, I found myself lacking in the athletic department, right? You see, the truth is, despite my uh, protestations otherwise, like a lot of other young people, I placed an unhealthy level of concern about what other people thought of me. Though I couldn't have articulated it as a kid, I developed what was the beginnings of the vices of pride and envy. I compared myself with others and I was sad, right, because I found myself lacking in some way. Because I knew I couldn't be the best and I was afraid to fail, I rejected those activities. I feared to try because I knew that I'd be judged by others and found wanting, right? That's what I, I thought, and I really feared that, that sense of being judged by others. And so I tended to do the things that I was good at. Thus, my life kind of became uh, consumed with academic pursuits because that was, that was what the Lord had given me as a gift. And the result of that is that for many years, I kind of missed out on a part of life, right? I never even tried to play sports. I was too proud to do something when I thought I might fail at it. I refused to try athletic things because I wasn't naturally perfect at it. You could ask my parents about this if, if you want confirmation, right? My dad said, well, you wouldn't try things if you didn't think you could be perfect at it. And because I wasn't willing to risk failure, I didn't develop a part of myself, right? A part that God had given me, although I wasn't as good as some of the other people around me, right? God still gave me the gift of a body. He still invited me to develop that part of who I was. It, and, and I rather, I developed another part and found my identity only in labeling myself as a smart kid. I knew if I couldn't be the smartest kid, certainly, I wasn't the smartest kid, at least I could find some sense of identity, some sense of place in the world, because I was counted amongst those kids that made A's. I found my, you know, identity, my, who I was in that place. But here's the problem with finding an identity in something like that. And you could, you can put yourself in that position, right? 
pick your poison, whatever you are good at, whatever your gift is. Here's the problem with that. How fragile an identity is that? Because I know for me that that identity as a smart kid uh, could be destroyed in a moment. A bad grade. A teacher who didn't like my style, right? Uh, a, a, getting a good grade, but a grade that was lower than someone who I thought wasn't as smart as me, right? These things would shatter my, the very rock from under my feet in those moments. Thus, out of envy and pride, I, I was led to a, a, a host of other sins because I was grasping after keeping this identity, right? You see this happen in our, in our own lives. You can, you can think how this happens. The envy in me was also present in many of my classmates, right? And we, we were all trying to just hold on to this, who we were. And it was exhausting. It's an exhausting way to live, to be grasping after something that's very fragile as the very source of my worth and value in the world. Brothers and sisters, how my life began to change when I encountered Jesus Christ as a, a person with whom I could have a relationship who slowly and gently peeled back those vices, peeled back those layers of sin and revealed to me that my deepest identity as a person is found only in Him. I think something like what I experienced growing up, and to some extent, I think we all experience it in, in each moment in our lives. We're all growing in our identity in the Lord. I think something like that was happening in Corinth when St. Paul wrote those words to the Corinthians today. Paul founded the Christian community of Corinth. He was the apostle who went there and proclaimed the good news. And he loved them dearly. He loved the Corinthians. You can go read the first and the second letters to the Corinthians in the Bible. And the entire letter, both of those letters are exhortations. They're Paul pleading for the Corinthians to be united in Christ to find their deepest sense of who they are in Jesus Christ and in nothing else. The Corinthian community, and this was, a, this was a struggle, just like it's a struggle for us in St. Mary's of Lockhart in, uh, here in this place in this time. Because the Corinthian community was composed of a very diverse group of people. It was a port city, right? They had rich people, they had poor people, they had Jews, they had Gentiles, they had people who were traveling. They had people who were there forever. And these groups were often at odds with one another. And what's worse, they judged each other's worth by their differences. The Corinthians were at odds with one another for many of the same reasons we're at odds with one another and remain divided despite Christ's plea for us to, that we might be one. They disagreed about liturgy. They disagreed about some moral issue. They disagreed about politics. If they'd known about tamales and hamaicas, they probably would have disagreed about how everything should have been done in those things as well, right? It's okay to laugh. 
It's telling. I mean, we got to laugh at ourselves, guys. Like, God has a sense of humor, and so should we. It's telling how Paul says that they describe themselves, though. They identify as belonging to a particular leader. They're saying, I belong to Chloe. I belong to Cephas. These ways of identification, right? They're ways of saying, I'm a special type of Christian, and you aren't. That's basically, it's a not-so-subtle way of saying that. This type of identification is rooted in comparison. And it bears the vicious fruits of envy and of division. Paul rebukes the Corinthians for such divisions because he finds them completely incompatible with Christian discipleship. On the night before he dies, Christ prays. He prays to his Father in the last, that final prayer to him. He says, Father, let them be one as I and you are one. Brothers and sisters, we are to be one as the Father and Christ himself are one. The persons of the Blessed Trinity are in unceasing and perfect communion with one another. The Son is not threatened by the goodness of the Father or the Holy Spirit. There's no envy, no division, but only total self-giving. And this type of giving takes nothing away from the person who gives, but rather expresses, manifests, makes present their deepest identity. Who the Father is, is giving to the Son and the Holy Spirit. Who the Son is, is giving to the Father and the Spirit. And who the Spirit is, is giving to the Son and the Father. You and I are called to share the very life of the Trinity, brothers and sisters, through our union with Jesus Christ. Thus, the Christian life is marked by communion rather than competition. Communion rather than division. Christ invites us to put our way, our envy, and our jealousy and recognize that our deepest identity, the deepest reality of who you and I are, is found in Him. Each of us finding that identity in Him will be able to give ourselves away totally and in so doing, find our deepest fulfillment. So this is why St. Paul is so hard on the Corinthians, calling them out to be united in the same mind and in the same purpose. We're to be one in Christ. In Christ, the differences, and this is really important, the differences between us do not cease to be present in the members of the body when we're one in Christ. They don't cease to be, to be right? Like, you are not me, and I am not you. You have gifts that I do not have, and I have gifts that you may not have. But instead of being divisive, instead of being the places where we get divided from one another, they become opportunities for charity and for mutual admiration. The sin of envy is primarily overcome through genuine admiration. When I see the goodness of someone else, especially those strengths that I lack, I have two choices. We all have two choices. On the one hand, we can allow ourselves to fall into envy by going into the mode of finding my worth through comparison. If I do this, I'll probably begin to complain, to degrade the other person, or perhaps to degrade myself. 
I will find every opportunity to destroy the goodness I see present in the other person because I operate from the, the sense, from a sense that their gain, that their goodness is my loss. That's what envy looks like. But brothers and sisters, that's not our only option. On the other hand, if we recognize that our worth comes not from comparing ourselves with others, but from our identity in Jesus Christ, we can exercise the virtues of gratitude and of admiration. We will see the other person's goodness, even the strengths that we don't have, that they do, not as a threat to our identity, but as a gift to be received. What is more, we'll begin to see that God has also given us gifts and that we should share with others. This past weekend, uh, I had the opportunity to go to a basketball tournament with the seminary basketball team. I know it's crazy. We, we get 16 seminaries together, and they all bring a basketball team. Uh, and um, our seminary basketball team, on the, the first, we won one game, and we lost two games. Uh, the second game, we lost by a lot of points, so we're not going to talk about that one. Uh, to be fair, there's a seminary that has two former Division I basketball players there, so it was like uh, me playing against a three-year-old. So, um, you know, like, anyway. But we were comfortably winning in our first game, and so uh, at that point, coach says, uh, Deacon Will, you're in. And um, he gave me the chance to play, right, which I'm grateful for. Um, and I realized something in that moment. I realized that as competitive as I am, and if you've known me for any length of time, um, you know that I'm fairly competitive. I wanted to win. Don't get me wrong. I was playing more for the excellence and the joy of the sport than I was playing to win. It was a joy to be able to play basketball and when I scored a basket, which was awesome, uh, gotta say, gotta say it was awesome. The joy of the team, right? The joy of the team was palpable because I don't score many baskets, right? I'm not that good at basketball. When I compare myself to others, I'm not, I'm not good, right? I'm not as good as these other people. But that doesn't mean that I have nothing to offer. When you compare yourself to one another, brothers and sisters, you might find yourself saying, well, I'm lacking in this way. I don't have this. But that doesn't mean that you have nothing to offer. Christ gives us each unique gifts. See, because in that moment, that moment of joy that I brought to the team when I scored a basket, right? It wouldn't have been possible if I had refused to even try to play out of pride. If envy had overtaken my heart, I wouldn't have had to, the chance to receive the gifts that God offers through my brothers. See, this change, you can tell that this change has happened in your heart. This is a question that you can ask yourself. Do I desire to be the best? Or do I desire to be excellent? Do you see the difference? Best is a comparison. Right? It says, I, I can, there's only one who can be the best. Right? But excellence, all of us are called to excellence in Christ. All of us. 
My excellence doesn't threaten your excellence, and your excellence doesn't threaten me. In fact, my helping you to be excellent in Christ, by helping you to be excellent in Christ, I strive for excellence as well, and you do the same for me. When I know who I am in Christ, and when you know who you are in Christ, we are all free to share our talents and our strengths with others and to receive those of others gratefully. In both the giving and the receiving, we can admire the goodness of God who makes it all possible. And even in our weaknesses, even when we can say truthfully, I'm weak at this, if we're humble enough to let those weaknesses be known, those weaknesses themselves become places of growth in Jesus Christ. They become opportunities for other people to use their gifts and for you to gratefully receive them. We help each other grow as God's own instruments this way. Thus, we rejoice in the strength of the other and we share His burdens because through our communion in the Lord, our brother and sister's burdens and joys become our own. All of us who are baptized, you and me who are baptized brothers and sisters, we share in this body. We share in the mystical body of Christ. And in a few moments, the Eucharist which we celebrate, the Eucharist which we celebrate will show forth the realization of this unity. The Eucharist is a sign and a reality of our communion with one another, of the Lord's presence in our midst. We give thanks to God for the gift of our redemption. And by being united to Him in that thanksgiving, we are united to one another and praise Him for the way He loves us through others. May we be one in Him who died and rose for us.